Welcome, everybody, to episode 12 of the podcast. Uh, I'm one of the hosts, Kyle. Hi, Kyle. I'm David. I'm the this other week, host, I guess. Yeah, yeah, you're the other host this week. I don't know. Uh, this week, we have a uh, great guest uh, with us again. As always, we have great guests, but this one's from our, our northern friends. Justin, how's it going? It's going good, man. It's good to see your beautiful face. Yeah, I know. It's been a while. Haven't seen you in a little bit. Haven't yeah. got you... Were you gonna Were you gonna go to countermeasures this year? Were you playing on it? I was. Yeah, yeah. yeah so. But COVID, uh, you know, COVID did that in for us. So unfortunately, we're gonna have to figure something else out as soon as uh, as soon as we're allowed to jump the border. Yeah, right. I, I'm, I'm gonna get Krim and Mike Sue on here too. Uh, oh yeah, sure. totally. That'll be a good time. So are Let you not? Allowed, I'm sorry. Are you not allowed to jump borders between provinces? Well, we can go between provinces, but we can't come down and see you guys. So, oh, okay. and you guys can't come up here. So, it's uh, it's unfortunate, we, but we, is what it we is. can't go anywhere. Nobody wants us. No, <laughs> it's true. I'm <laughs> normally really polite because I'm Canadian, but it's very true. Please stay, stay where you are. Both we've of done, you. <laughs> we've done messed everything up. <laughs> yeah, it's done messed everything up. Then I see a chain smokers conf, uh, concert with like a thousand people, and I'm like, still not getting it. Please stay there. <laughs> yeah. Man, all of it. Yeah. Or people like I hear people like, oh yeah, I'm just social distancing and everything. And I'm like, yeah, but I'm gonna go to go to bachelor party this week. And I'm like, that doesn't count. That's, I don't understand. You're doing it wrong. Right. Yeah. Yeah. How do you do that without, you know, going to a bar? I mean, we can't go to I mean, at least I mean maybe you don't have to go to a bar for a for a bachelor party, but you know. Oh yeah, you do. Uh, that's that's <laughs> that's just my assumption. I, I, I agree with Justin on that one. It's a bar or a barn. <laughs> and where I'm from, it's the barn. But you know, like if you're in any type of metropolitan area, you're going to the bar. That's six feet away from the nearest cow and donkey, right? Yeah, exactly. That's right. You Are there big social... barn parties? Like, do you have barn parties in Canada? Because I watched Shit's Creek, and it looked like they, that one dude had a pretty sweet barn. Uh, I mean, yeah, I like, yeah, I've been involved in more than one uh, barn burner, you may say. <laughs> uh, Yes. We, we definitely we will i mean i'm from rural saskatchewan i came from a town of like 500 people right so i mean we party anywhere gravel pits you know wherever wherever we could basically like hide away from the police <laughs> um you know that's where we would go so it was barns and shops and sod farms whatever yeah exactly we didn't have sod farms but i mean we totally would have partied it up at a sod farm too <laughs> yeah. It's just easy to spot the party at a sod farm. <laughs> you had to go to a gravel pit. <laughs> wow, I mean, I'm just saying, you know, you go where you got to go. Oh, my God. So we, so we usually kick it over to you to talk about drinks, but you're keeping it chill tonight. But we'll, we'll circle back with you in a second because I want to sure. bring up the drink that you made me drink, like, it would have been three years ago at Countermeasures now. But so, David, you go first. What you, I'll go. I'll go. Yeah, I'll go first. Mine's easy. Um, it, it's... I don't know if it, it might end up actually being the same thing you're drinking tonight, but it's one of the, uh, so locally in Pittsburgh, we have a place called Hitchhiker, and this is the 1844 uh, painkiller-inspired cocktail beer. So it is a, a smoothie sour with coconut, pineapple, orange, milk sugar, and nutmeg. And it's delightful. It is really good if you've never had one. If you can get your hands on it, highly recommend. That sounds amazing. One of my favorites. Um, they only brew it once a year, maybe, and I think COVID kind of pushed it back this year. But good lord, a little late. Usually it's it's pre summer, but we're good to go. Nice. So, I went out. Yeah. I went out and bought a case of it. <laughs> uh, you you can't not buy a case of it. You have to buy a case of it. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Can't drink. Oh, geez. 
What do you, what are you drinking out of? So this is the, uh, this is a oh, quarantine life. Uh, Snoopy, Snoopy getting drunk with Woodstock on his doghouse, uh, courtesy of Miguel Dreddy at Dreddy Customs. You can nice. find them on Facebook or Instagram. Uh, Miguel was uh, is the uh, I guess owner and um, designer of these these glasses, and he was super nice enough when I mentioned that I wanted to talk about his glass on the podcast. He went out and made us one uh, that hopefully we can get a couple more of these made. But uh, stuck our super logo on a cool. on a really cool dimpled like tumbler glass got these nice little grips on it amazing you can see it's 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 awesome um super appreciative of that that was a, a surprise out of nowhere um but uh thanks again to him that was super awesome and, and one of the cool things about this glass real fast because i for, I'll, I'll almost forget about saying this kind of stuff but uh last week we talked about glasses that have like the um the business cards and like limited edition numbering to them so miguel layered oh shit i spilled some uh, Miguel layers these with like clear ink. He'll number each one. So there were only 45 of these glasses, but um, huh. he'll he'll just keep layer, layering clear ink on this until there's this embossed numbering on the bottom. So this was number 40 out of 45. And it's it's pretty unique. I've never seen anybody do that before. Um, so, you know, hats off to him for making some cool, some cool glassware for us and uh, for everybody else out there. So give him a follow. Yeah. Uh, support his business. He's, he's big into the um, support the Texas, uh, Houston, Texas beer scene during the COVID time. So, uh, kick it off to Kyle. So that's, that's all I got for now. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, we're definitely, I mean, that was like ironic timing as well. And uh, Justin, you'll get one of these in the mail one day. Like that was like, we're like, well, we keep talking about glasses. We should just make glasses and then send all our guests for like a thank you for being on the podcast type of thing. Have this a logo and then get them numbered and ideally give you the number of which you receive, you know, you were the podcast. So it's kind of like a, Hey, thanks. So, we plan on doing it. We're trying to work out, you know, the pricing and all that now because I have no idea how that works. But just right we'll off on taxes. But yeah, it's, yeah, it's super cool. awesome. I hope I hope we get those uh, soon and get it everybody. Nice. So I just went to our local place uh, and got beer again. This one's from Winding Path Brewing Company. It's also a PA. Uh, I didn't even know that when I grabbed it until now. Somewhere outside of uh, York, York County, which I'm guessing is uh, you know, near Philly area. Just another hazy IPA. It's called uh, Hayesway IPA. has a nice uh, Yeti or Saskatchewan. Or, uh, <laughs> you were going to say Saskatchewan. Audian <laughs> 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 slip. I love when the beer makers put Saskatchewans all over those big hairy Saskatchewans everywhere. Audian uh, yeah, <laughs> slip. Audian <laughs> slip. Oh, man. So I'm drinking, you know, since I got into the glass thing, I got this one recently. This is a. Uh, from poor character that's p-o-u-r even though i probably have poor character as well <laughs> but it's a uh eight bit like secrets of the brews like secrets of the sewer type uh teenage mutant ninja turtles and they're just partying in the sewer kegs you know they're on their cell phone looks like they're doing some tiktok i don't know what they're doing but it's a uh, nice you know nostalgic tmt mt tnt DNT Saskatchewan. Your dynamite. Yeah, Saskatchewan. Is the Canadian government getting all riled up about TikTok? I'm just going to ask because I I don't follow uh, you know Canadian news. I don't either, really. But um, (laughs) uh, no, I mean nothing. I mean nothing. Nothing that would overshadow uh, Huawei. That's for sure. <laughs> so, you know, if it's hitting the news, it's definitely not uh, not knocking that off. 
Oh, we know <laughs> everyone's concerned about Huawei, huh? Mm. Just a little. So, so I know you're keeping it, uh, you know, um, to, you know, sip on your. Uh, looks like your protein shake tonight, or your water. No, it's just water. It's just this is a uh, Saskatchewan tap water. I, oh, uh, nice. Is that the from limited the, from edition? A, a glacier from uh, the Saskatoon water treatment plant just uh, up the road. Um, and I'm drinking it out of uh, a, a Popeye's supplement. Uh, it's got a lid with a snap top. Um, you can put like balls in there, shake, shake it around yeah. like this. <laughs> and uh, so that's what I'm drinking tonight. Classy. What, I mean, I'll send you one. Yeah, please do. Oh, that'd be cool. Yeah. See those Popeye shakers. <laughs> yeah. Make sure you put extra two balls in it, please. I'll put three. <laughs> That's how we roll around here. <laughs> <laughs> but let's let, let's like this turn back the clock a little bit to like when we were at Comic. I think it was 2017. It might have been 2016. I don't know when it was. It was a few Easy. years ago. But we were at the Easy. the after party that Krim and Mike threw together, and mm-hmm. you were drinking some drink. All I can always remember is like Coca Cola, cream, and I don't know what the liquor was in it. <laughs> nobody knows what the liquor was uh so it was a paralyzer so in canada they're called paralyzers in uh in the states you guys call them colorado bulldogs um and so they are milk kalua so one ounce is one ounce of vodka one ounce kalua milk uh and coke so mainly, and don't do it in that order. You got to get the order right or you'll uh, curdle the milk. I can never remember which order it is. I usually curdle one and then just do the opposite. I still drink it. It's fine. Um, but yeah, they are super tasty, uh, but they will get you. Uh, as you know, they'll uh, they'll get you. I think they got my stomach that night, my lactose intolerance and sprint into the bathroom like every third drink. That, that was the next. That was the next night, actually. Yeah. Remember? <laughs> oh no, that was that was last year. Oh, that, that was last. No, 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 not last year because I wasn't there last year. It was sorry, year two years ago. Because my brother, my brother, who's a, a physician who now moved to uh, not far from me, uh, he asks, "How's that guy who had the uh, yeah had the uh, the so GI problems?" problems. <laughs> so we're at Miles so two. Yeah, I'll spill the beans. Uh, two years ago, no pun intended, but like I was like, I don't know, we got to wherever we were going to hang out. And I was like, oh, man, I got to go number two. And I'm far from our hotel. And everybody's like, just go here. And like, I go to the, like, the, the bar bathroom. I'm like, nope, not going here. <laughs> so then was, I leave. Well, wait, wait, what was wrong with it? I mean, like, because you got to go. Oh. You got to go, man. Yeah, but it was like, I need some privacy. I need some Kyle time. Like, I just need, like, you know, no one knocking on the door. Like, it was they a tiny have, bathroom, man. It was they, they don't have doors and stalls in Canada or what? What's yeah, they had a, it was, yeah. I mean, there might have not even been a door. It was close to just, like, <laughs> propping the foot against the door and going. I think yeah, I eventually just held out and it went away. But it was definitely, like, a 30-minute sweat fest going on. Oh, dude, you should have seen the bead he was cutting. It was awesome. <laughs> it was just, like, pouring off of him. It was amazing. I'm like, dude, just... <sighs> Just shake your pants. It's fine. <laughs> no, no one I've will done ever that mention it twice before. <laughs> no one will ever mention it ever again. Trust me. And there were too many people there tonight. A lot of people you knew, so I was like, I can't shit my pants in front of these people. Maybe the second time I meet <laughs> them. You could have just said, "I shit your pants." <laughs> oh man. So yeah, it sounds like you've been pretty busy uh, and all stuff. And I, I, I don't know where we could jump in, but maybe rewind the clock. Uh, and I've, I don't think I've ever asked you this. So I know that like, you spent numerous years at Immunity doing some, you know, I guess, exploit dev, right? I can 
generalize mm -hmm. it, right? Yeah. But then, you know, nowadays you do OSINT stuff. So I've, I don't think I've ever asked you, like, what made you, like, say, you know what? I've had enough of this exploit dev stuff, and I want to, like, jump into doing, like, open source intelligence, you know, type of stuff. Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, well, part of what I did at Immunity was I kind of floated between a bunch of different groups. So I did lots of consulting work. I did, you know, product dev, X dev, you know, I, I was kind of a jack of all trades. But one of the things that I really enjoyed about like doing pen tests and social engineering gigs, uh, I hated social engineering gigs except for the OSINT. Um, but I loved the, the reconnaissance and, you know, learning about an organization, learning about people, that kind of thing. And in tandem with that, at the time, I had uh, quite a big interest in um, counterterrorism issues. ISIS was kind of like, uh, at the time was when they were getting big, they were kind of marching, uh, marching across Syria, parts of Iraq. Um, and so I was looking at like how they were using social media, you know, what can we do to kind of figure out how big their networks are. Uh, and I just found myself naturally drawn to that. So instead of thinking about reverse engineering stuff, I was spending more time thinking about like, can we use image recognition to figure out uh, who ISIS supporters are on Twitter, for example. Um, so yeah, it was just kind of this natural pull. And I guess I'm like old enough to know that when something's pulling at you to just, there's no point in trying something else. You might as well just go and do that thing. Uh, Immunity was a great company. I loved working there. The people were second to none. Um, it was just time for me to go do my own thing. And I felt this pull that was, you know, in a direction and Dave was great. He gave me lots of leash and he gave me lots of leeway. Let me do conference talks that were outside of the wheelhouse of normally what someone from immunity would present on, right. You know, Nico, uh, talking heap stuff 15 years ago, you know, that type of stuff. Um, so it was really great, but it was time for me to just kind of go do my own thing. And so that's how I ended up moving more into the open source intelligence space. No, I mean, that, that makes, that makes sense. Like, you know, we, we all get to that point where you want to do something different. Uh, yeah. How long had you been in immunity before you, you decided to swap out and do something different? Seven years. Yeah. So I was there for seven, which is like an eternity, uh, in infosec. Um, but immunity was crazy. We had people who like, seven years 10 years 12 years you know people that that worked there a long time um just because you know it was dave understood us he understood hackers he understood what was important what kind of work was important um and we all really enjoyed each other there was no ego there was no room for ego at immunity i mentioned uh you know this morning like when you work with people like Skyler and Loreen, Alex McGeorge, Nico, Damian, Boss. I mean, these people are like, Sinan uh, was there as well and he's moved on and done amazing things. And all these people were so smart and so good and so humble. Uh, it was really rare to find all of that in a team. That's a heck of a list too. You, you just rattled off some yeah. pretty- Yeah. Uh, and I'm probably missing sack. like I'm probably missing like ten people. Right? Pretty important so people you can call I, your colleagues, right? That's that's just crazy. That's that's a very uh, wow. That's yeah. I was the impressive. I was the dumb guy, you know, there for co comedy relief. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> like that make like, that says a lot. Like I think we all sh like sh want that in that job we have. And I, you know, not I'm not gonna say I have it currently, right? Where I look at everybody like that, and you're like, man, that like I work with. A, 
an awesome bunch of people. Now I work with awesome bunch of people that are really smart minds, but I don't call them friends. I, they're, they're more just people I work with. Right. And I also mm-hmm. think a big thing that we've talked about a couple of times that you just like drilled home again is having a boss or having a leader that like understands everybody personalities, but also understands like the type of work people like to do and the type of work you need to get to do. Obviously you got to keep the lights on and pay the bills, but yep. still like give you work that you're excited and passionate about and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, you didn't always get to do that, right? I mean, it wasn't like Dave wasn't running a business, right? Um, and they, you know, they they exited, uh, they sold. Um, but, you know, he did, he did, no leader's perfect, um, but he did, you know, try to make sure that people were working on stuff. Um, and again, it wasn't necessarily every day that you got a chance to, but he did try to make sure that you were, you know, able to take some air and, and go after stuff that you really wanted to go after. And there was no shortage of challenge. Uh, that is for sure. There was never, uh, you rarely got like, here's something easy. It was always the, you know, uh, we worked on tricky stuff and, and, uh, I could still hear Dave in the back of my mind saying, is it done yet? Is it done yet? Is it done yet? <laughs> clicky, clicky, Justin, clicky, clicky. Which means like, I want to click a button and get a shell off that thing you're working on. Clicky, clicky. That's right. Push um, button, get candy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, uh, but it wasn't, I mean, like I, it was my first and last InfoSec job. That's it. That's the only job I worked. That's it. I worked uh, at a startup before that um, in QA and was kind of like, meddling with uh, security work i got hired by immunity and very much like had this you know 80 degree learning curve that i had to go through to to just feel like i belonged um but to have all those people mentor you and like it was just incredible so i stayed there for seven years and i probably that's it that was the one cybersecurity job that i worked i kind of went straight at the top and was like, that's it. <laughs> I don't know what else, you know, I, you know, there's a lot, there's amazing people everywhere. Don't get me wrong. But uh, to me, the work that, that I was interested in, they were, if not the best, the best in the world at it. So did they yeah. give you latitude? Did, did Dave give you latitude to, to work on gray hat Python back then? Or was like, was totally. that, was that uh, something that he kind of pushed on you to, to get finished and put out there? Or was that an interest of yours? Yeah, I mean, when I did Grey Hat, Dave was actually my technical reviewer on it. Um, so, no, he there not was not too shabby. <laughs> no, no, you couldn't really, you couldn't really go wrong. Uh, you couldn't go wrong with that. Um, but yeah, I mean, he never. It was never an issue. It was, you know, as people will tell you who write books, you got to do it after work hours, and you can't bleed work over into the stuff you're publishing. Obviously. Um, but no, I mean, I think at the time it was just, uh, you know, it was a lot of people were writing Python. There wasn't a great kind of central, you know, somewhat body of knowledge. I had stuff that I was doing that I was interested in, um, you know, techniques and stuff that were, you know, that I could talk about, you know, it was, so yeah, it was, it was an interesting experience writing that book. That's, that's for sure. What was like terrible about it? The whole fucking thing. <laughs> I was gonna say, so you use the word interesting, and I know that yeah. you know that's that's just kind of the whole. It's like my wife saying it's fine. Like I know it's not fine. Yeah. Right? No, no, it was. So, it, so full full disclosure, like I like Dean and I were gonna write a book, and the uh, first person I hit up was Justin. I'm like, hey, I want to talk to you about like writing this book, and like have this idea. We had a proposal. It's accepted by a company, you know, a publishing company. Yeah. Uh, what do you think? And then I, the first words, I think I still have it written down. I took notes that day. We had that conversation. I still have it in a book somewhere. 
He's like, writing a book is like running a marathon when you don't run. <laughs> yeah. I was like, and it was sound advice. And, you know, long story short, you know, we decided not to write the book because for many reasons, but it was like just doing the few chapters we did was, you thought you'd be excited about doing it. And it was like, he's like, you got to put out like, you know, 20 minutes a day at minimum and write and just put things down. And like, you think about this, being able to do like 10 push-ups in the morning, like doing 20 minutes a day writing was like sometimes miserable. Oh, always miserable. Yeah. 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 But I mean like, like, I'm sorry, are are those like quotas per day that you have to send to your publisher or is that just like you being like, you know, I I work out for so many minutes a day, like got to get the books done, you know, chapter per day. 10 pages per day, like just set yourself a goal uh, that's attainable. Yeah, 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 exactly. So for me, it wasn't, uh, no starch press is not like most publishers. So um, they're, uh, they're awesome to write for, but they do, they will squeeze quality out of you. Um, And, you know, in terms of timelines and stuff, that was never really much of an issue. It was more the advice was that if you, much like working out, right? So if you get in that habit of doing it at the same time every day, and you have those trigger points. Like for me this morning, I was exhausted. I had like two podcasts to do all this stuff. Right. And I'm like, I'm not fucking working out. Like, but once you put your shoes on, your body's like, we're working out and you're okay. And that whole thing where you reduce the friction to get into it um, with writing, what I found was that if I went stretches of time where I didn't write anything or even, and I told Kyle this too, like just open word, and like have your chapter open and just cursor through it even. Um, that muscle memory of having that, that book open uh, means that if <laughs> you prevent these like two week gaps where you don't look at your book and then when you try to get back into it, you're like, this is an insurmountable, massive, shitty project I never should have taken on. <laughs> I, I, you were drinking. You Sorry. almost got me. That was- <laughs> I almost got I was waiting. <laughs> but uh but that was the thing, right? Is that I, it was one thing that I made the mistake in Grey Hat Python. Um, it wasn't until the later chapters uh, when I was pushing to get finished that every day I had a kind of a, a schedule of I'll go and write or I'll go and edit or whatever. Um, and it made a huge difference in Black Hat that I had kind of not a, it wasn't like a regimented thing, but every day I at least looked at my book um, while I was feel, writing it. Do you feel like the Black Hat's better than the, the, the Grey Hat book? Do you feel like yeah. you have like a better effort? Not not like a better effort, but do you think like the the quality of learning learning the things that you did writing the first book kind of helped you get into the flow for the second one and like provide better content? Yeah, totally. Like it, it's a I think it's a better book. Um, I think that uh, um, it was better written, but I also made a number of changes up front. So as I mentioned, Dave was my technical editor for the first book, um, which is amazing because he's like one of the smartest mofos on the planet. However, he also ran a company, had kids, you know, had his own work to do. Um, so it makes it challenging because you do need somebody who's going to type out every line of code. And when you're talking to kind of the, you know, one of these like uh, grandpappies of uh, hacking, it's like, he doesn't need to type out the code, but you do need that. So the change that I made going into Black Hat was I actually picked up two technical reviewers that were friends of mine. Um, that both had you know busy jobs and everything, but they could split the duties. Um, and I had this rock solid QA on the code. So anytime something didn't work or anytime code was maybe a little awkward or whatever, <clears throat> I had two guys who were able to tell me, 
hey, this didn't work or this was awkward or whatever. Uh, and that made a huge difference because um, I remember after Grey Hat, and I was also going through a divorce at the time, so I was not in the great headspace, but when I was done Grey Hat and it was published, there was a rata that came out. Like there were people found issues right away. And, uh, and you know, I had kind of told Bill, the publisher, to basically go take a walk that I'm not touching it kind of thing. And he's like, dude, you can't not do that. Like, we got to <laughs> fix this, right? Um, but the thing is, is when you're done running a marathon, the last fucking thing you want to do is go run another 10K, right? Like, nobody wants to do that. You won't go home. Unless you're an ultra marathoner, then you're just a freak. Um, you know, but that, that's the thing is I felt like I'd finished this marathon and it was time to just catch my breath and then it was time to go back and look at the same material over again and fix these issues but with black hat we had zero of that because my tech team was so good uh, they did such an amazing job and they actually wrote parts of the book because i told them hey if you guys want to write something i'll get it let's get it in the book if you want to share some knowledge or whatever let's let's give you some space to do that and so it worked great like these were guys who who put in the effort they did an amazing job they wrote parts of it and it turned out fantastic i mean it's still used to this day people still buy it all the time i mean it's still that says a lot too because it was published in what 2012 14 yeah yeah like that's so. the fact that it's six years and it's still run you know what i mean like and people still pick it up and i remember the north stars table last year at uh defcon like you couldn't walk up to it it was like four people deep 30 yards wide long yeah. oh no start yeah you can't you can't touch that table. Especially during COVID now. Yeah. <laughs> Especially now. Get in that line. Get get a line. Virtual That's line. Totally. So talk about your your virtual conference. So like what how long did it take for you all to back out and just say like enough's enough? Did was there like some sort of I don't know, Canadian law that, that said, you know, thou shalt not you know, have conferences. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Did did the queen come over and, and, and say, you know, with her scepter and flick it around? I don't know how Canadian things work. I don't even know how those dollars work. No, no, they don't work. That's the problem. <laughs> um, no, actually, I'm not, I'm not a, a conference organizer. I just, I literally went to every year of countermeasure and partied hard enough that they just kept bringing me back regardless of whether I was speaking or anything. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, yeah. Uh, so I had this permanent kind of season tickets to countermeasure uh, but i think that like for most of us like i was at a law enforcement conference in march and it was right when stuff had started to hit and uh things were getting locked down and i remember like i it was you know they were shutting down airports and all that stuff and um you know i got home and immediately was told i had to quarantine for 14 days uh which you know isn't a huge deal for me um, but you know, then we learned that we were exposed, that someone at the conference had COVID and we were all exposed, blah, 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 blah. Um, so, you know, it's like one of those things where I think like up here, we're, you know, if you take the, the, for example, if you take Toronto, which is like 6 million people, the GTA is about 6 million people. Um, last week there was like 25 cases. Right. So Oof. we're not fucking around up here. And, uh, <laughs> and, and, and it, it, but people are still doing stupid shit. Don't get me wrong. Um, but I think that that's just been our, I don't know. It's a, it's, it's also kind of a, a love your neighbor type mentality up here, which is like, I don't want to make you sick. Like, I don't care about me. 
but I don't want to make you sick. So I'm just going to stay home. You know what I mean? So it's, it's kind of one of those things. We're not always great at it, but I think this is really like, you know, people, we're not necessarily as militant about masks and stuff. People are generally a little bit more polite. Um, but yeah, I think that it's the right move. I think that Mike and Karim moving countermeasure to virtual is the right move. We're getting close enough to when that conference is going to happen that you don't really know what's going to happen. And there's these second and third waves of COVID coming. So lots of conferences have been moved virtual, which has been awesome for me because I'm able to actually speak at conferences that normally I just can't make. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Usually that, that conference is, I thought that was more in like October. Like it is over yeah. time frame. And I see it's like in September this year. So they, yeah, they, they bumped it up this year to September, it, right? right? Yeah. Originally, yeah. even like in person, it was September, which I was fine with because I always go back up to Canada for Geek Week. You yeah. haven't been yeah. to Geek Week, but that's no one, you need to go one time. Well, whenever we can, one day when it happens again. Yeah, there's a there's I've been I've been invited more than once. I'm just like a whole week hanging out with these guys. Like, oh, it's more than that. It's like it's like 14 days, right? Oh. I mean, yeah, they know it's they do 10 days and I'm always like, stop doing 10 days, do a week. And then like, let people like, if they need to come early for like, learn your systems, you can come to two days, but you can really only need to go five days or four and a half and leave. Right. Even that is a lot. Can you give like a little, little background on what geek week is? Yeah. So it's like the, the Canadian, I, uh, you know, the original C cert, right. The equivalent to our DHS down here, but now they transition to the CSC cyber center, but uh, Frederick and the people he leads and, yeah. <laughs> Other spooky people Zach that Chicago. we can't name. <laughs> I'm just blanking right I now. Got, Chad. I, I got to think about his whole Chad. team, like Chad, Chad and like yeah, yeah, a bunch of other guys and gals yeah, yeah. that I don't know all their names. But like, it's just a great like sort of uh, I don't. How do you describe it? Like basically almost like a hackathon, right? But the, with a project like type of hackathon. There's different yep. groups doing different things from you know IoT to specific malware. Like I've met some. Great folks from like Norway uh, up that way that have come over um, from Germany, you know, so it's not just like Canada and United States. It's like, you know, they'd still get, you know, I think they had like 12 countries represented last fall. So that's wow. pretty significant, you know, the mm -hmm. growth of it. Um, but it's a fun event. And, and I, it's in Ottawa and I love Ottawa, you know, Me like, too. I, I really do as a, you know, as, a, as someone from the states to say, I like I say it every time. Like it's a it's a great place if you've never been to. I've never been to Montreal, right? I always say that too. But if you've never been to Europe, it definitely has a European feel to me, mm. as an American. Like that sort of old school feel, and then there's a lot of fun, like cool stuff to do. Food's good. People are super nice all the time, no matter where you go. So I know, but anybody who lives in Ottawa always says that it's like the town that fun forgotten. I'm like, I don't know about y'all, but every time I come to Ottawa, I have a lot of fun. So yeah. I don't know what I don't know what's what's going on because and it is it's a beautiful city. It's it's a great place. Oh, it's gorgeous. Uh, I love it. Yeah, I say every time I've gone, I've had a lot of fun. So I don't know that slogan at all. <laughs> Maybe it's us, man. I don't know. It's got that it's got that feel to it where like people come in for work everyone like breathes like the city like breathes in people and then like no one wants to stick around at nighttime it doesn't seem like there's like a vancouver or, like apartments everywhere condos yeah. everywhere there's just like a big city center or like a downtown like uh, financial area and then it's just like that's it and then yeah. you, know, you have the bar section and you know where you know where that is and that's really about it there's well there's that nice stretch too um what the hell is that called uh, that street that runs like that that old like only walk street like yeah. um east and west I think it's Kent or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a cool little spot too. I mean, there's a lot. Of, there's a lot of nice little bars to hit up through there, and then the marketplace. Oh, like is down awesome. in the 
byword market down there. Yeah, but yeah, like, like yeah, yeah. Byword cool. market is, is a great like little location. Yeah, I know. It's a it's a great town, man. It's a, it's a lot of fun. So hopefully one time in the next five years we'll be able to get out again. And, oh, we will. And we'll be fine. And get see conferences. So talk a little. Can you talk a little more about like the OSINT stuff you're doing these days? I know, like I still, you know, use anytime it type of like you know let's go collect stuff on the web. You're automating OSINT website. You know that whole series you wrote on like uh, the tour and collecting tour sites and scraping them and stuff like that. Like that still works. You know, I actually had to go and. I think like a, like six months ago, seven months ago. Really? You scraping, Kyle? <laughs> scraping. Yeah, but eventually I never had like a follow-on to like, what the hell do I do with all this stuff? Like the idea was to find like, <laughs> it was like, this is cool. I got it to work because like you know you had to yeah. mess with Go and get the updated Go version to work. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, onion like, scan. Yeah, the onion scan. That was a yeah. cool tool. Also written by a Canadian. Sarah's yep. Canadian. Yeah, yes, she's Canadian. Okay. Yep. Yeah, she's. Uh, yeah, that's a and that's still too, cool. Tool still works. Yeah, and like, but she hasn't put much. I don't think I didn't, like last time I checked, she wasn't like updating it. So maybe someone's forked it and made it differently. But it's still you don't need to do much besides what it was doing. Plus, whatever that you wrapper you wrote around it was like, click play and go. Yeah, exactly. Clicky clicky man. Clicky clicky <laughs> get candy. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And I haven't actually blogged. Uh, I haven't blogged in a number of years actually on that site. We still have people coming in and taking the training, um, and I've actually picked up a, a co-instructor who's going to be, who's refreshed a, a huge amount of content, added some new stuff, brought everything up to Python three, so she's going to be getting introduced to the world very soon. You know her um, as well, okay. so um, the uh, I can't I can't whisper into the mic without the whole internet hearing who it is. So Kyle, I mean I can always but cut it out, right? I thought I thought you were leaning forward. We're we're on the other side of computers. You want him to it whisper it like into <laughs> Whisper <laughs> into my ear. Put your ear right up. <laughs> so uh, so that's gonna be great because people are, are like, you know, they love it. They they love the content. And for me, it was like, um, yeah, it was a lot of fun to be able to just put together these long ass blog posts and you know teach people stuff. So um, unfortunately, you know. Hunchley just got too busy for me to be able to put in any real effort and I never wanted to I'd rather not write anything than put some half-assed garbage out um, so that's always been like you know if you see dead gaps in my uh, blogs or writing or whatever a lot of it is just because I just don't have the time to to or the energy or it's not pulling on me hard enough to put some real effort into doing something and I don't want to put out garbage you talk to Hutchley a little bit yeah, I know yeah, what it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah no, sure. Yeah, Hunchly is like a it's a, a tool that plugs into Chromium-based browsers. So that when you're out doing research, if you're hunting around on VT, if you're on Risk IQ, whatever, Googling dark web stuff, um, what it does is do full content captures of every page that you view, timestamps, hashes, and stores, preserves them locally on your machine. You know, so if you're looking at some, you know, asshat that's roaming around on the dark web trying to sell stuff and then all of his posts disappear, you always have a copy of whatever you saw on that day. Well, that's nice. Uh, yeah. So people use it, you know, primarily it's law enforcement use it because they have an absolute need for documentation, but there's lots of threat hunters, IR folks, uh, you name it, who, uh, who use it, journalists. Um, so yeah, it's, it's quite useful. Um, if nothing else, just for the preservation piece. Yeah, a lot of that yeah, stuff ends up disappearing. Like that's not even just like weirdos on the dark web. Like you'll see like tweets. 
yep. like like your bot like some bot follows you on twitter and then all of a sudden it disappears like it likes all your posts yep and then it's gone totally that yeah exactly and that's exactly where the tool came from was i shot myself in the foot not preserving something and uh i was like well i don't ever want to fucking feel like that ever again so i'm gonna build something to solve this problem for me uh turns out there's other people who had the problem so i was literally like installing python and flipping people's browsers into developer only mode and installing this extension and stuff and it was crazy and then i was like maybe i should make this into a product um so I did that. It was awful. Hunchly one was terrible. It was slow. It was all written and compiled Python it had in like an embedded web server for the dashboard. It was, <laughs> it was horrifying, but it was more of an MVP that just kind of took too long, you know, and just grew legs and, and I didn't pick up on it fast enough. So, um, yeah, the, the newer version we released a few years ago is much better and, and it constantly improving. We have a new release coming out next week or so. Um, Ooh, so yeah, awesome. it's, uh, Congrats. It's good. thanks. Yeah, so I, mean, you, I know. Go ahead. No, 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 you, no, no, no. Mine, mine, <laughs> mine's, a, mine's a completely like off the wall question. I was gonna say, oh. yeah. I mean, I, I know, like, I haven't used it explicitly, but like every now and then, I'm like, man, I should do that. And I, uh, you know, you're gonna hate the next statement, but I use Firefox mostly. Oh, that's so that's okay. probably why, why I haven't. But I, but I, I know I, you gave me license for my students a couple years ago to use for like like a hunt experiment. And I made them use it, and like, yeah, they they liked it. Like this was cool. Like I could save all the stuff. I'm like, I'm like, don't do anything you wouldn't want someone to do to you <laughs> yeah exactly right and don't preserve that stuff like your personal banking and then submit it in an assignment oh my right God. that might be a bad day the internet is forever <laughs> yeah so, well so are backups exactly so, that's, so that's exactly it oh yeah yeah so sorry what was the off the wall question you're oh i was just gonna ask like do you have like any any strong feelings about python 2 and python 3 like do you super strong want yeah what, what do you what do you like I just think write code and whatever works. Like the number of people that were all up in arms when Python 3 was coming, I was like, the world's not going to end. It's not even that different between the two. Um, and honestly, there are lots of, you know, I have lots of uh, virtual env's set up and a ton of them are still Python 2 because I'm like, I'm not rewriting this for 3. I'm not you know, making sure that some old ass library that's only, com you know, Python 2 compatible that I'm going to have to screw around and make it like, screw it, just use two. Um, you know, and often people are like, well, you know, what about the, there's not going to be security patches. I'm like, what are you running your code against exactly? <laughs> like you're scraping web pages. Like what, what, what do you anticipate? Now that's not saying that there can't be problems in parsers and whatever else, but you know, I'm like, it's just, it was so weird to watch for me. Like I was just like, Oh my God, everybody, please just get over yourselves. There are far better problems that we can argue about yeah. than yeah, no, I, I two agree. versus three. The, the only like big rub that I got lately on that is when Ida switched basically, or like basically announced that they were getting rid of Python two support. Right. And so we have all these scripts at start that were centered around Python two, and they didn't really tell you how to fix your problems. I'm like, up front there wasn't any sort of like magic parser that was like oh you have all these code problems it was just like your shit doesn't work anymore yeah and you need to go use google and figure out how to fix it so yeah see like that's, other, other than yeah. that like like you i don't care i don't yeah. i don't care just tell me I still write just tell me how to get my too. job yeah dude i think i had I someone last year when i was it last year i spoke whenever i spoke last at countermeasures he's like i was introducing some code i wrote that's on github and, he, and i remember someone came, someone came up to me like that's pretty sweet code. 
but until you updated Python three, I'm not going to use it. I'm like, <laughs> and I, you should have just slapped him. You should have just slapped him right then and there. I remember who it was, and I won't, and I won't put uh, them on blast. But uh, oh no, you like, gotta. It's too late. I was just like, I was just like, you know what? They don't use it. Like, I don't need you to use it. Like, I'm not. It's out on GitHub. So like. If you want to port it to Python 3 yourself, that's fine. And this is one, like, I think this might have been two years ago. So Python 3 was just coming up and, like, it was going to be, like, the end of life for two, right? Oh, like, this yeah. shit works for 2.7. I still run 2.7. You know, I think the only thing I do for Python 3 is, like, print statements. Like, I, I try to make those a function. But beyond that, I'm like, this shit works. Yeah, like, I mean. It's the analyst code approach, right? Analyst, I don't write production code. Like I'm not, a, I'm not a software developer. I'm gonna write analyst code, and it works when I need it to work most yep. of the time, sixty percent of the time, every time. Yep, exactly. I am so not a developer. Like that is just not. I am not good at it. Uh, I don't like it. Um, I am very much exactly like you. It's like purpose built, small targeted stuff generally. Um, but I mean, if we know anything about you know, people in information security is that if they have the opportunity to be pretentious, they will certainly take it. Oh yeah. We work, we work in one of the most interesting fields and also the most pretentious fields out there. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm sure, and I, I can't speak for other fields cause I don't want in one, any other one. We're definitely, but I like how you, uh, going back to what you're saying, like, you, so you don't think you do cybersecurity now doing what you do? Like, I think it's very cybersecurity focused. It's a niche of cybersecurity these days. Yeah, I don't know, man. It's weird. Like where I spend a lot of my consulting time now is um, working with hedge funds in the States doing really interesting projects that actually do involve like reverse engineering and data analysis and far more of the actual skill set that I used when I was doing, uh, you know, doing work at Immunity and, and later uh, doing contracting. Um, but it's funny because I guess for me, how I identify my, uh, what are you, what are you pouring there? Oh, he's on mute now. He muted himself too. He, he can pour himself, a beer. So he's probably burping too. something else. I unmuted myself. I'm pouring yeah. another beer. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Been thirsty. Um, but that's the funny thing is like, for me, I only felt like I was in cybersecurity on the offensive side. So it like uh. doing this very specific, like pointy tip of the spear stuff. Um, so now I'm kind of like, I don't do that work. So I don't necessarily feel like I'm in that field anymore. Right. Uh, even though I talk with IR and threat folks and, you know, uh, offset people all the time, um, doing the work through Hunchly and other stuff. Um, yeah, it's, I, you know, I, I think I have one foot still in it. Um, but definitely it's, uh, it's weird cause I just don't self identify as being part of the field anymore as much. And I'm getting old, man. Like, look at the gray going on here, dude. <laughs> dude, I've had gray for like <laughs> 10 years. I know. Me too. <laughs> at least you have hair. Uh, yeah, I got hair. hair. At least I got hair. I've, I haven't had hair for like 16. So. Dang, man. Kyle sweated his all out with a diarrhea at Ottawa. Yeah, exactly, right? It's <laughs> literally That's melted he, his hair off. He lost yeah. it. <laughs> that Ottawa, Ottawa air. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's chilly. It's that canal water. I told you not to drink that uh, water. <laughs> Maybe next time I won't. <laughs> what was that? Um, I was just I'm thinking about like Ottawa again. Like, what was what was that drink you had at, at Bayard with the uh, like? They had like egg whipped in bourbon. I just yeah, want to talk about drinking again. Like, I'm getting thirsty. Bourbon uh -oh. sour, where they they take the egg white, egg white, and like froth it up, and then put that on top. So it's like really foamy on the top. I don't know. It was pretty good. Yeah, the, really? you, know, you have to get you have to gamble with, with gamble with salmonella poison, but hey, 
Is that a poutine? <laughs> probably was. No, no, boys. No, that's. Oh no. I gotta send you. I gotta send you the, these these Canadian guys that talk about hockey all the time. Every time I hear it, the one guy sounds identical to you, Justin. Identical. Every time I hear it, I'm like, this is Justin. What? It has like, to be. If I close my eyes, I'm like, it's Justin. <laughs> I never even played hockey. That's a. I can't even skate. You know. <laughs> Don't say that too loud, man. Your friends no. are gonna hear. My neighbors told, are people here. are like, oh yeah, you must have played hockey. I'm like, no, actually, I played like I played volleyball. That was that was my thing. They're like, what? Like volleyball is actually quite big in Canada, believe it or not. It is. Beach volleyball or like indoor volleyball? Both, yeah, year round. Yeah. Right, I blew my AC joint about a month ago, so I didn't get to. I'm gonna miss the beach season this year, but indoor oh, no. starts. Indoor starts in September, so hopefully it'll be. Hopefully, I can get it past here. By you then. could get some surgery. You get a little little operation there. No, no surgery necessary so far. So hopefully I'll just keep grinding it out and get through therapy. A little and slamming little all those aces down. Exactly. Bam. Boom. Exactly. Look, it looks like he played almost, right? Almost Breaking played. noses. I almost <laughs> played. Breaking noses. <laughs> I almost, I almost played. I've done that before. Yep. Way to go, fucker. Way to go. <laughs> Is that the same beer? Also, like, is was that is that the nope. same thing you're drinking? Totally different you... beer out of my uh, yeah. wrapped up. Uh, thirsty. Tempo. This one's from the same brewing company. I keep going back to Evergreen Brewing Company, which is in PA as well, Camp Hill. I don't know. They make some really good stuff. The place I pick up beer out always has it. I think I've drank this one on the show. Yeah. If not, I'm drinking it now. Justin, do you have uh, some good Canadian beer recommendations that aren't like uh, Labatt Molson? Or Molson. <laughs> Wilson Golden. Are you a beer guy at all when you, when you do drink? Uh, I used to be. Yeah. Um, Last time yeah, I saw him drinking, he was drinking like the, the vodka, vodka cranberries. <laughs> yeah, or something. Who knows, right? Ten at a time. Um, good Canadian beer. There, there's like so much good Canadian beer. Sleeman's is great. Um, I loved Crack Canoe. Um trying to think of what else well, i've had crack canoe that stuff is pretty good moose head it's pretty light crack canoe is kind of something you can like sip on all day it's pretty well it's kind of like american beer really it's uh Ooh. it's really <laughs> it's light you know it's uh it's dainty it's uh you know you can have about 48 of them it's like natter day uh, natty light <laughs> so yeah anyway it, there's, there's tons man like and there's so many little breweries and stuff and even here we have like great vodka distilleries and just really really uh quite a wide variety of stuff and then in, in western further west in british columbia in the okanagan valley they're very well known for their wines and like that's where mike's hard lemonade came from and um stuff like that so um yeah we uh apparently love our liquor up here are you saying that Mike's hard hard lemonade is Canadian? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I had uh, no idea. Vincor, I, guess. I, I believe it. The company's name is Vincor. I can't remember the guy's name who founded it, but I used to drive past uh, the the place where it was made every day. I actually, in between working two tech jobs, I worked in manufacturing and uh, busted my ass for about a year out in the the Okanagan heat. Um, so you, yeah, I used to drive doing? right past it. Uh, my brother ran a manufacturing company that built um, the steel frames for uh, motorhomes and fifth wheel trailers and travel trailers. 
So my job uh, initially when I started there was to uh, undercoat them. So if you ever had your vehicle undercoated, which is like they spray that tar on the underside of it, a rock guard it's called. Um, so basically I had to wear a Tyvek suit. It's very hot down there, like often 100 degrees, non-breathable Tyvek suit rolling around in the dirt, uh, covered in tar all day, basically. It was an awful, awful job uh, and, and hard on the body. Um, but then I started doing more work with like, um, I moved away from that and was doing work with like, um, you know, I was basically like a steel worker. So chopping steel, drilling steel, punching steel, bending steel, welding steel. <laughs> we got your tampered steel. Oh, yeah. we got our, your mild steel. We <laughs> sell steel and steel accessories. There's more steel. You'd fit in perfect in Pittsburgh, man. That's all I talk about. Yeah, Old man. Time, steel town. <laughs> yeah. Let's say our football team, Steelers. You're, you're, now, see, you're hating because you're from Ohio. Now, that's now right. I'm getting, you know, I, will, get defensive. I, will, I mean, I have a, own a house here, but like when everybody's like, where are you from? I'm like, I'm from Ohio, obviously, the heart of it all. Yeah. I'm okay. from Pittsburgh. Yeah, that's fine. That's fair. I mean, it's fine. yeah, I've spent, I've worked more than a few jobs that were cut knuckles and coveralls for sure. Was that your, like, was that like your worst job? That uh, that manufacturing job with the steel was that? Would you say that's like the worst thing you've ever done? Like the hardest work? I don't know about the hardest, but it was up there. Um, done so, yeah, it was up there. There's definitely there's some physical jobs I worked before that were not a lot of fun. Um, but rural Saskatchewan, you often started working hard labor jobs when you're 13, 14, right? And I wasn't like a, I grew up on an acreage, but I wasn't a farm kid. Like we didn't ranch and we didn't have farmland, uh, but my stepdad was the vet. So I worked lots with large animals, small animals, all that stuff. But I also worked at a oil tank manufacturing place. So I'd go to school all day in grade eight, grade nine, and then uh, go and paint and insulate oil tanks with a good friend of mine. Um, so, I mean, I was never, I guess, afraid of, busting my ass yeah no yeah no that makes sense. I, obviously not obviously not yeah I have, I have a question since like you do the consulting thing you know maybe for other people and like you know for other people that want to get into it what's sort of like the hardest thing you felt like when you're like you know what i'm just gonna work for myself so the only person i have to work care about answering to is myself like a lot of people do like their consulting or start their own like managed service or provider companies and get a few clients and next thing you know you have like you know 20 clients you're making decent money you know um, but like How's that like, what was like the point where like, yeah, I, I always want to do this. And like, what was the scariest part of doing it? And that's Probably a lot of the, questions of one, but no, 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 that's okay. That's okay. You're half drunk. I get it. It's yeah. Yeah. Um, halfway there. Two beers. <laughs> yeah. But like, it's like six beers. Halfway, you know? It's like 12 um, Canadian beers. Yeah, exactly. Not, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right. No, it's like two Canadian beers. Is really. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think that like you have to, if you're going to start and go out and do your own thing, like number one, have a plan in advance. So I planned way in advance of my exit. Um, I wasn't being like a shady asshole. It was just, you know, I have a bunch of kids and a family I'm responsible for. So you know, that means you can't just take blind leaps of faith and pray that everything's going to be okay. Um, so it doesn't work like that. So part of it is just like having a plan in advance. You know, what I've told people before too is like, don't worry about making 100% of your income when you first go out and do your own thing. Worry about hitting that like 80 or 90% because you'll have enough there that you'll be able to adjust your lifestyle if you need to. 
but also it will be a bit of a driver for you to hustle to kind of go out and get that work or maybe write those blog posts or write books or do whatever it is that you'll hustle a little bit harder to make up for that 10 or 20%. And then the rest of it is still fear. I mean, it's just still something I have to live with every day as does my wife, who's my business partner. Uh, it's just fear, right? And you go into things like COVID and you don't have a crystal ball. You don't know how things are going to go. You don't know. I don't know whether there's a company that uh, our company exists six months from now, whether it's COVID or not. And anybody who tells you that confidently that their company is going to exist six months from now is full of shit. Um, the world doesn't work like that. The world, uh, you know, will slam you with black swan events or, um, you know, I've made mistakes, strategic mistakes in the business before that cost us dearly. Um, that you then have to, instead of just maintaining and running things, you're actually having to dig your way out. And that can be stressful um, because there are definitely moments where you think, you know, when I just worked a fucking nine to five, I didn't have to worry about this. I just went to bed and got up and did my thing and stopped and, and that was it. So, um, you know, you have to have some tolerance for a little bit of stress and a little bit of fear. And, um, you know, you have to just be willing to, to do that. But, you know, it doesn't require 15 hours a day working like a maniac because I don't do that, right? I play music, I play volleyball, I work out, I've got kids and a wife and um, I play video games with my redneck buddies every week, at least once a week. We still do that. Uh, we hook up online and play together and, uh, and you know, like that's the thing that keeps me, keeps the business alive is the fact that there's a lot of balance involved, not just being a workaholic, right? Yeah, I think that's uh, just to chime in on that. Like, I think I found that a lot. Like when I got back into martial arts, specifically jujitsu, the last year, that like mm -hmm. mentally, it's improved me as not, like not only did like to my work, but also like because you can clear your mind. It's like a mental thing. It's something else besides work that you're challenging yourself at. It also makes me a better human and a better husband and things like that. You know, I was a shit mm -hmm. fuck before this. You know, a year ago, I know I was. You know what I mean? I was. And like looking back, I was like, oh man, I was. A, like I'm, you know, lucky she made her be still right. Like that type of stuff. But, you know, when I look back and put it all out there, but like the fact that like, yeah, I can say that and like, this has improved me that much that like, yeah, that I need these other things besides grinding all day in front of the monitor. Right. You can't, you need to be able to separate it. Otherwise you're going to burn out hard. Like I've have, I've had soft burnouts, right. You know, over the last mm -hmm. few years, but like, otherwise it will burn out hard and, you know, hopefully you have a good support system around you to recover from that. You, you want to make sure you do. Yeah, yeah. And, and honestly, like, and I tell men this all the time, get a fucking therapist. Seriously. Like, it's something that men don't like talking about, especially men in tech. They don't like talking about it. I'm like, dude, there's not a person I've met in my life that can't benefit from therapy. And that doesn't mean you've like, you've survived trauma. It doesn't mean that you're weak. It doesn't mean that, you know, you're, you're less than anybody else having an outside person who lives completely outside of your social and business bubble, give you perspective on the things that you're going through either in business or in your marriage or professionally, or maybe you're having a creative crisis or whatever it is. Uh, it's such an important tool. And like for dudes, you can say all day long, like, bro, just work out. You'll feel so much better. And that's something that we can mentally equate with like, yeah, bro, like let's just stack some plates. And it's like, yeah, but like, why is it so difficult? when when someone says dude you should just go get a therapist it's awesome they're like whoa whoa it's like well it's no different than working out man it's just a different 
you're literally exercising in a different way and it is just as uncomfortable if you're working out and it's not uncomfortable and you're not doing it right it's not um, working out it's not working out that doesn't mean you have to kill yourself but you're not doing it right and much the same thing with therapy man nobody looks forward to it but you grind through it you get through the other side and you're like i learned some stuff about myself which is exactly like working out you learn where your limits are you learn like when you're going to push yourself and all of those things and um you know such a huge thing for anybody i recommend that like literally everybody i mean like everybody should have a therapist man um but having all those things together you know like just overall between like having sports to play or martial arts or whatever, or working out and therapy and whatever it is, having outlets. Um, for me, often people ask me, well, you must work insane hours. I'm like, no, dude, I work like six to 10 a day. Right. And there are days where I put in six, eight hours and I look across my desk at my guitar and I'm like, done working for today. That's it. Right. And I don't feel guilty about it. And the reason why I can get away with that is because, uh, you know, I do all these other things to make sure that when I hit my desk at 9am, it's like focused on time, on schedule, disciplined work. And I pound through it and I ignore people all the time. And well, you know, this Kyle, sometimes it takes hours to get a text message back, you know, <laughs> but that's the thing is that you can do 16 hours of work in six or 10 right? It's not like impossible. And it's not like some bullshit four hour work week, Tim Ferriss thing. It's like the truth. If you literally manage yourself and take care of yourself, you can pump out in my field. It doesn't work the same if you're in an op center or somewhere else that where you kind of have coverage and other issues yeah. you got to deal with, right? Like my thing doesn't apply to everyone. But what I can say is that, you know, even your eight to 12 in an op center, um, you know, will be much better if you've balanced everything off properly. Yep. Yeah. Totally. That is all awesome advice. And I have like no other questions because I, I really just enjoyed listening to you just just go uh yeah, we were we were all over the place. That was that was awesome. That was a, a nice dissertation on life, getting your shit together, having some sort of a plan, knowing where like your limitations are, figuring out how your limit you, you can you can, you know, uh wrap yourself around your own limits and you know, balance life. Like you you have to you really do have to figure out how to balance life and you know, whether that's through. Oh, you got to fail a lot. Sports, you do have to fail. Yeah. That's that the true. only way to do it, man. <laughs> you got to fail. You got to bounce off the bottom a few times and you know, it helps you to figure out what's actually important and that's the trick. And, and just like, you know, it's important to have people around you that where it's safe, you're, you can be vulnerable and you can fail around them and they'll, they don't care. Like they don't care whether you're, you're bankrupt or you're sick or whatever. You're the same person to them. And that's also important. Yeah. I can't say any better than that. Right. You can't. You're right. you can't. You can't. I have nothing to explain. I concur. <laughs> that is. <laughs> okay. Kyle's like, can we just talk? Can we talk about some other shit now? Kyle's really like, no, I brought, I think I brought it up. Like, I, I segued into that. Like I think mental health is like, you know, like, I, you know, I, I'm a Matt, you know, I, I went to see a therapist years ago and mine was, you know, a sort of forced, you know, a grief thing, but like, just to yeah. say like, they'd be able to do that. And I know at the time I was like, I hundred percent said what a lot of people say, I don't need to go to therapy. Right. But uh, yeah. what the therapist taught me is that you, how the tools to handle with the way, how you feel about things. Right. And mine was obviously surrounding grief and doing yeah. grief type things, but is this, I'm sure all types of therapy teach you the tools you need to know how to handle things and how you handle your emotions and how you do with that, right? When it all comes into play. 
Oh, totally. Exactly. It's uh, and just getting that outside perspective because sometimes we do shit as human beings that we think is totally fine, and but when someone else uh, applies a different lens to them, you're like, oh my god, really? <laughs> really? Yeah. That's me doing that? <laughs> Damn. The non the non biased approach. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I think it's really good, right? I, I think it's uh, I think it's important, and I just don't think enough dudes talk about it. I don't know how many times like I can talk to dudes about a bazillion different things. You talk about therapy or mental health and they're just like, oh, God, you know, they get so, yeah, so uncomfortable. And I think we got to change that. Those of us dudes who are comfortable about talking about it, got to make sure we're like telling other people and, and, uh, and making other people feel comfortable because uh, uh, we got a major masculinity problem going on that it doesn't seem to be solved anytime soon, <laughs> you know? So you'll see yeah. that, that, uh, the, uh, it, uh, oh man, what day is it? Um, sometime usually in like, I know it's just during hockey season, but you'll see the bell let's talk hashtag mm-hmm. float around on Twitter. And I think that's like one of the best days that I see for people that yeah. are able to open up and it's, it's, you know, coming from America, like you see that that's a Canadian company yeah. talking, you know, you know, saying, let's put those things out there. And then like the hockey writers that I follow will, you know, uh, post things and, and, you know, some, some very inspirational stories about that, but that's, that, totally. I don't know when that day is, but that's, that's definitely one for me, one of the most no- noticeable days of the year where people kind of open up and, you know, try to get some conversation going. Yeah, and it's been a great movement, right? Like, uh, and it, you know, it's centered around uh, centered around hockey, but it kind of spilled out into into uh, everywhere else, where you see like football players talking about depression or post injury depression, post concussion syndrome, you know, stuff that dudes just didn't talk about before, and now they're feeling comfortable talking about it. And uh, yeah, I think it's important. And I think when you have organizations like Bell and athletes who can lead the charge, it kind of it, it it builds a bridge for other people to feel comfortable, you know? Yeah. I think, I think the, uh, Kevin Love who won the SB, like the, um, oh man, the big SB that they win every year. I forget what it's called. The Actually, Ricky V or something like that. Kevin Love won it this year and it was because of his effort to put forth that mental health in sports is important and totally. be able to talk about it out late. Um, it was the it was, Arthur Ashe Courage Award. There you go. Yes. Arthur Ashe Courage Award. Nice. So yeah, I mean yeah, just to highlight that. I mean, yeah, but uh, I like definitely to, important. I mean, Justin, I appreciate your time. I like to respect everybody's time as it gets close to that hour mark or whatever. But I anyways, we always like to say how people get a hold of you. I know like you're a big Twitter person. I'm assuming you're say your Twitter, and I like to I'll put that in the show notes, obviously. Cool. Right? Yeah, I mean, man. Twitter's that's great. I'll put Hutchley in there too because uh, I think that's sure. a great tool. Uh, Thanks. But uh, again, thank you very much, Justin, for coming on. I appreciate it. Hopefully, we can see each other soon. Yes. And hang out again in real world. Yeah, exactly. IRL. No, thank you guys very much for having me. I really appreciate it. I'm glad we like covered topics that are non-traditional topics. It's always really nice uh, to to have the leeway to do that. Yeah, yeah. It's always nice to touch about people's careers, but like, let's talk about things that you like to talk about. You know? Sure. Exactly. Exactly. Totally. Well, like, yeah. as we like to always close. Uh, Thanks, everybody, and uh, stay thirsty. Those that are out there drinking other water bottles. Popeye water bottle thirst. Thursday. Thanks, everybody. What a man.